Hi, welcome to It Doesn't Have to Be Terrible with me, Caroline Snyder, a podcast where we explore the financial stories, topics, and questions that help us better understand how we as individuals impact and are impacted by the financial world around us. I'm so glad you're here. Today we're going to talk about a topic that I think about at least daily, probably more frequently than that, and it's burying your head from your financial reality, which actually now that I think about it is kind of funny that I think about not thinking about money all the time, but I do. And that is really how I approached finances for a long time. I think it's how I saw finances being approached by my family growing up. I don't actually think finances were being ignored, but they were never, ever talked about in front of us, in front of the kids. So therefore, when I flew the nest and started being in the world of adulthood, which is also just a very funny idea that at 18, you at all are an adult, but when... um, I joined the world of adults, I just assumed, because I'd never talked about it before, that I continued to not talk about it, and therefore, I just ignored what was going on, right? I had no idea. I wasn't in touch. Every once in a while, I'd try to budget because I'd realize that things weren't going super well, but what budgeting for me meant was saying, okay, I make... X amount of dollars a month. I make $3,000 a month, right? And this amount is going to rent. This amount is going to car insurance. This amount is going to a loan, whatever it is, all those fixed expenses. And I'll be like, okay, cool. I have $1,000 left where I can play with. In reality, it was probably much less than that. Um, And I would do that exercise and then never come back to it. Never like check Was that really what happened in my life? Did I follow through on that? What was hard? Were any of the numbers accurate? I never did that piece of the puzzle. And therefore, I spent a lot of time kind of dipping my toe and running away and not making any progress towards my goals, which makes sense. That is a perfectly reasonable reaction to not having the skills and knowledge that were necessary to be able to do something different, right? I didn't know there was another version of budgeting. I didn't know that there were other things that I should be looking at or reading about or learning about. So my reaction to being like, I'm trying a little bit, but I don't know how, and so I'm just running away, perfectly, perfectly reasonable. I wish that hadn't been the case on some levels. I also am not mad at past me for doing that. The bearing your head is also interesting from an emotional standpoint. So the last, oh, I don't know. The last six months, this hasn't been true, but probably for about a year before that, um, I did a lot of burying my head. I was working part-time. I was going through really big family changes in my personal life. 
I was newly postpartum for the second time in a very short period of time. And I didn't have the emotional bandwidth to spend a lot of time thinking about my finances, either from a personal perspective or as a business owner. I had the skills, I had the knowledge, I know how to do it. And yet the easier thing for me to do, and in fact, what felt like the only thing for me to be able to do was just to ignore because it was better to ignore than to be like emotionally open in that way. I didn't want to know. I knew things weren't perfect. I knew that the revenue wasn't where I wanted it to be. I knew that the spending wasn't very values aligned or in touch with who I was and who I am. And I made the conscious choice to not care. I similarly don't love that I did that for about a year. Like that doesn't feel great. I'm a financial coach. That's not what financial coaches are supposed to do. But I don't blame myself for doing that. That was a really reasonable coping mechanism to feeling incredibly stressed in my personal life. Once some of those stressors started, I don't even want to say going away. Once some of those stressors started becoming um, things that I figured out how to cope with better, where it wasn't taking so much of my emotional bandwidth, I was able to then spend that emotional time on my money. So often when clients come to me, they are in a position where they have also been burying their head. And almost always it's a little bit of both, right? It's, I actually don't have the skills that I need to be able to do this, or I don't know what questions to ask. I don't know how to look this up on my own. Even if I could do that, I'm not sure what I should be looking for. Um, And there's also that emotional piece of, I'm feeling overwhelmed. I don't have the bandwidth. I don't want to look at this because it's scary and I'm scared of what I'm going to find. And sometimes what they find in working with me is that it's actually not as scary as they thought it was going to be. Or maybe it is as scary as they thought it was going to be, but at least they have someone who is non-judgmental and helpful and an expert in the field to be able to walk them through the next steps. Um, But almost everyone is coming with some sense of bearing your head in the sand. And I think probably a lot of you who are listening or watching right now are doing that too on some level. I'm sure not everybody. Um, But even if it's not the finances, I bet you're probably doing it in some other part of your life. Or maybe not in your incredible and you should tell me what you do to not bury your head. I feel like I'm, it's like the, my son has this toy where you have a, like it's a little hammer and you pop down, you hit it on a, like a little head of this little like wooden, I'm describing this terribly, but it's like a little wooden peg and you hit one side and then the other side pops up. That's what I feel like it is for me. It's like, cool, I got that in control and this goes out. Um, but maybe your little hammer toy works better than mine. So if we're talking about in the bearing your head scenario and you're thinking about unburying yourself, right? It is totally possible for you to unbury yourself on your own. My job is helping people unbury themselves when they desire 
someone to do it with them to get that support and that expertise. I will say I think there are financial topics that are in general easier to unbury yourself with and other ones that are very, very hard because of that skills and knowledge piece. Um, There are financial questions and concerns that clients come to me that really the only way to get the answer is through financial projections. And if you don't know how to make a spreadsheet and you don't know how to create projections, then that's going to be really tough to do on your own Um, versus someone who has a relatively, relatively low amount of debt. There are lots of resources on the internet where you can look up ways to get out of that debt. Now, almost always debt is really emotionally tied, so it may still be helpful to have support, um, or it may not, up to, up to the client or up to the non-client, as it were. But I think thinking about this as, okay, I know that I'm burying my head in some way, shape, or form. I'm not sure if I need help or not, or maybe you've already decided one way or the other. Kudos to you where you are. Um, the goal for unbearing has to be both that emotional piece and the skills piece. And your emotional landscape, your financial emotional landscape, and your financial skills and numbers reality, like how much you actually have in the bank, how much your business has in the bank, what your credit scores are as a business or as personal or both. Those things need to sync up in order to be able to get in a really financially healthy place. What syncing up for one person looks like is not going to be what syncing up for another person looks like because your goals are different and what your values are and the reasons behind what you're doing are, are different. And that's fine. That's good. I think that's one of the really tricky things about financial advice that is not individualized is that it's always coming from some subjective point of view because we're humans and we're all subjective and that's how we work. I'm not blaming anyone for that. But when it's coming from a subjective point of view, you might say like, well, the right way to do this is have 50% of your income going to savings or whatever, right? And that right way might be right for that person. It might be perfectly aligned. They might be totally in sync. And that might put you or me onto a pathway that actually like really gets us out of alignment. So when I'm working with clients and what I would, um, when I'm working with clients and what I'd encourage you to do as well is thinking about, okay, how can I get those two things closer together? And what this looks like in reality is really exploring your numbers, exploring what is happening in reality, exploring your revenue, exploring your expenses, exploring your savings, understanding what's in investments, understanding um, your credit score, understanding what you have as a liability. Those really are important to understanding. Like, where am I right now? No judgment one way or the other. It's not about values. It's just like, what is actually happening right now? And then being like, okay, I need to define my goals because my goals are gonna be the North Star that help me decide, do I need different types of accounts? 
Do I need to be putting more money in one place or the other? Do I need to change the way I um, spend money in certain categories? The goals are going to dictate all of that. So we've got, I know where I am right now, and my goals are defined. From there, and I am looking at my notes so I don't forget to tell you anything or to bring up anything. From there, it's about matching your goals to those accounts, right? So that, okay, if one big goal I have is being able to buy property for my business, I need to be making sure that my business credit score and my personal credit score, especially if you're a small business, that both of those things are as high as I can get them. And I need to be making sure that I'm saving up enough money for that initial really large chunk that's going to go into a property um, investment, right? Your down payment. Matching those accounts. That likely means having a high yield savings account so that you're getting good interest. That likely means that you've really explored your current debt and liabilities and are working to improve your credit score. That might actually mean opening up new lines of credit to help you improve your credit score. We'll talk more about that at another time. But matching your goals to your accounts. From there, we're really looking at the habits, so those daily financial habits, how you're spending money, how you're making money, where the money is going. Those daily financial habits need to support the accounts that support your goals. It's like a little pyramid. I was trying to think if there's a better analogy. There's a better analogy. I can't think of it right now. Um, so that's all on the number side, right? The habits is beginning to get into more of the emotions because the way, especially the way we spend, although also certainly the way we make money, the way we spend is very emotionally based. Um, I feel like half of my spending is just like obviously emotionally based. Like for example, over the weekend, I took um, my daughter to Old Navy, and we went on, I wouldn't call it like a full-on shopping spree, but I was going to say yes to almost anything she picked out. And like, I knew that walking in. Um, my mom and I used to go shopping a lot together when I was growing up. That was a way that we bonded. I feel kind of weird about that because it feels so materialistic, but also it is like integral to who I am. And my mom died when I was um, a young adult. She died when I was 25. And so going shopping, like going into a store and trying on clothes and searching and looking through things and being like, oh, that's fun. Or like, oh my gosh, this looks terrible. <laughs> that whole process is really emotional for me. Going, like if I had done the same thing and my daughter and I had sat down in front of my laptop and we looked at Old Navy online, I would have had like no emotional response. I would have thought it was fun. It was exciting to see her pick things out, but it wouldn't have been something that was deeply ingrained and how I live in the world, um, it would have been different. So me going to that store meant I was going to spend more money with her. Me doing it online was going to mean I was going to spend less money because it would have sat in the cart for like a week. I would have gone back through and been like, oh, this is now out of stock. Obviously not getting this. Oh, she doesn't really need that sweatshirt. 
remove it, right? She's young enough that she won't necessarily remember <laughs> if I don't follow through on something that we put in a cart a week ago. Um, but that's a financial habit that I, I maybe could remove the emotional nature of it. I don't want to. It's a good memory for me. I want to be able to do that, and I love being able to do it with her. So even though it is something that is emotional that's going to impact the way I spend, it's not necessarily a bad thing. Now, there are times when I emotionally shop or emotionally spend money because I'm just trying to like put a Band-Aid on something that feels bad. That is something that when that becomes more habitual in my life, I look at and explore and try to t take apart because that's something that is not attached to a positive memory. It's attached to like, I'm not feeling good in some other way, so I'm just going to buy this delicious muffin. Um, no judgment on the muffin. It's probably a great muffin. I wouldn't tell you not to buy it. So that last piece, those financial habits, right? Bringing in the emotions. Then it's about, okay, let's explore those emotions. Let's figure out which ones are working for you, which ones aren't working for you, which ones we can try to explore more. Um, that often feels a lot like therapy with me. And quite frankly, there are times with clients in the past where I've been like, okay, we've hit something where you probably need to talk to an actual therapist. I am not an actual therapist. Um, and that's, you know, that's important work for someone to do. This went dead again. Okay. So once that has been explored, once we've figured out what we're keeping, what we're getting rid of, then it's about what are the systems that we can put in place so that you can reach your goals from a place of ease as much as is possible, right? That last piece of financial systems and structures, it's all about how do we make sure that the financial systems are such that is removing as many obstacles as possible and therefore making it as easy and as painless as possible and sometimes even joyful to be able to reach your goals, right? These things all stack on each other. So we're like, we know our numbers, we know our goals, we know which accounts need to work for those goals. We understand that our emotional piece of the puzzle and we understand the systems and we have systems in place that support all of those things above. Okay, so through this process with clients and what I would encourage you to do listening at home also is to ask yourself a ton of questions. So I ask a ton of open-ended questions to help folks figure out what it is that's out of sync and how to get to the point where you can unbury yourself and approach your finances from a place of um, stability and clarity. And so things that I ask 
or, or questions that I ask help me answer, answer some bigger questions for me and then help me through my coaching process. But I'm trying to find out, is it that you don't know how to do something or you don't know how to create a system that you need, right? Is it that like factual skills-based thing that's holding you back from the goal? Is it that your goal isn't actually aligned with your values and your desires? That one is huge, right? Um, I think about this a ton with clients, whether we're working on the personal finance side or the business side. There are so many expectations that are put on us as human beings of what the right thing to do with money is, right? Like the right thing to do is to buy a home. The right thing to do is to make sure that you are minimizing your take-home pay to therefore minimize your tax burden. The right thing to do is to continue to grow your business steadily or preferably really quickly over time, like never not be growing. The right thing to do is to have like a huge amount of investments or to always buy stock or whatever it is, right? We're all given sort of blanket expectations from society as a whole. And then on top of that, as individuals, we're all given expectations from our families and from our friends, um, from the communities we're in. I think about, uh, for me personally, my family moved from, so we lived in, we live, I have lived in New Orleans most of my adult life. We lived, my husband and I lived in LA for um, like four, four and a half years roughly. And we moved back to New Orleans um, in the very, very end of 2021. Yes, very end of 2021. We have two kids as of this moment, although I bet by the time this airs, this won't be true. As of this moment, we have two under three. Um, And the difference of coming back here to New Orleans to a place I'm really comfortable in I start thinking about like what is it that I want my kids lives to look like and the community we're in really impacts what I want for their lives right some of that's positive some of it's just like learning new things and some of that also means that I need to kind of keep myself in check and be like is that something that we want for our kids because other kids we know are having it, other families are having it, other families are doing that? Or is it something that we want for our kids because we actually really want that for our kids? Whereas I think if we were raising children in LA where we didn't have such a long history and are so ingrained in the community, it would have been easier to make decisions that felt like truly just us as parents. Like I could be like, I don't know anything about any of the schools, period. So I'm going to make a question. I'm going to make decisions about schools. We're going to make decisions about schools that are based on the knowledge that we have right now versus here where I'm like, my husband was born and raised here. I worked in schools here. We know a lot about schools here. The landscape is such as that you can send your kid to any public school throughout the whole city, depending on where you get in from a lottery, blah, 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 blah. Anyway, there's so much more baggage coming with that. And so therefore it's my role to continue to ask myself, is that goal you're working towards actually what you want? Or is it what you think you're supposed to want? 
Okay, so we've got the I don't know how to do something. We've got the are my goals aligned with my de- desires and values? And then there's this like Pandora's box of what were the financial belief systems that you were raised with? I think a lot about with myself that a lot of the financial belief systems are around this um, conflict between I was raised pretty comfortably. I never wanted for something that was a necessity in my life. Um, Not even close. And I wasn't taught the skills to be able to therefore have that life as an adult. Like, I thought that I could just live this incredibly comfortable lifestyle and be a public school teacher um, on my own, which didn't match up. So a lot of my belief systems are like, there's a gulf of knowledge. But for some people, their belief systems are really, really emotionally based. And often people don't think about them. It's just like, part of who you are. It's been embodied in your habits. You were raised to believe that money grows on trees and you can always make more money. Or you were raised to believe that disaster is around the corner at any moment and you better squirrel things away, right? And if you're not aware of where those belief systems are coming from and aware of how they're helping or holding you back, that can be really hard. That can be really challenging. It can mean you've been working towards a goal. You've got the skills. You've got the accounts. You know the goals aligned. All of those things. And you like keep running into a brick wall of not reaching the goal. Sometimes it's because your belief systems are holding you back. For almost every client, and I put myself in this category for sure, it's a mixture of those three when things are out of whack with your finances, when you're burying your head in the sand or when you're like, I'm trying and it's just not working. And so then I stop trying again and then I try and it's just not working, right? It's usually a mixture of what's going on. Um, And untangling that is crucial to unbearing and untangling that is crucial to unbearing your head. And it's hard, like it's hard. It doesn't have to be terrible, but it's hard, and that's okay. Um, I think so often the process, the work of getting to a place where it's like things are finally going, I finally feel good, I finally have clarity, I finally know what I'm working towards, feels even better because the process is not so easy, right? It's not just a flip of a light switch, which would be cool. Okay, so I, in order to actually share this brainstorm activity, I'm going to look over at my screen so I don't forget a piece of the puzzle. Um, But this is something that I recommend doing with yourself, giving yourself some time to do this, to figure out are the goals that I have aligned with my desires and my values, and if not, what are the real goals that I should have? So... First, imagine yourself five years in the future. Maybe we have flying cars by now. In an ideal world, what are you doing? What are you spending your time doing? Who are you with? What does your home look like? So that's question number one. It's actually a bunch of questions. That's kind of how I roll. Two, 
ask yourself the exact same question again. So take another like 30 seconds, a minute, five minutes, however long you need to ask yourself the exact same question again. Three. Spoiler. Not spoiler. Three. Ask it again. I know. That's really obnoxious. Um, do the same thing. Take five minutes. You've now asked yourself the same question three times. Look back at those answers that you wrote down or that are in your head. I actually highly recommend writing them down so that you don't forget. Did they evolve over time? What stayed the same? Whatever stayed the same is probably like legit a goal that you want in your life. What shifted? What changed? If something that stayed was in the first one, like I own a four bedroom home that has a big backyard and that is a place where people can come and go. And by the end, you're like, I live in a studio apartment in a big city in the middle of downtown, whatever. Like, maybe it's not that last one that's the answer of like, this is the correct goal, but that's an indicator of let's spend some time exploring more. Because if your goal shifts that much over the period of, an hour, 30 minutes, 20 minutes, 15 minutes, however long it takes you to do the exercise, it's not stabilized in your brain and it's not stabilized in your heart. So if you start working towards one end or the other, you most likely are going to be wishy-washy somewhere along the way. So it's just something to explore. It's not something necessarily to throw out the window. Then I recommend, so that's one doing the exact same thing a week from now and seeing where you stayed the same, what's shifted, what's become more clear for you. If a week from now you're like, oh, no, I've sat with this for a while and I feel really confident that I actually want to live in a, a smaller space, but that that allows me to do a ton of travel. Cool. That's a goal that is solidified and you can start moving towards it. One little warning is that we as human beings are not static. We are emotional. We are impacted by and impact the financial world around us. And therefore, what is true for you as a goal in 2023 may not be true for you as a goal in 2025 may not be true for you as a goal in two months part of this work of being someone who is financially healthy and financially clear is continuously checking in with yourself to see how things have shifted and that's fine that's good that's who we are as humans I think so often those societal expectations and our personal expectations of ourselves mean that we put a lot of pressure on ourselves to stay in the same pathway. And the reality is for many, many, many people, if not all people, is that the pathway that you're on right now is probably not the exact perfect pathway for you in the future or in the past. That's certainly true for me. How I lived in a financial world in 2010 is not 
how I should live in a financial world in 2015 or 2020 or 2025. And that's fine. That's a good thing. Um, so to wrap things up, I want to encourage you to take some time, reflect, think about your emotional journey and actual like numbers journey with finances. If you have been feeling like you've had your head buried in the sand, I hope you take some of these resources to be able to unbury yourself some. And if you feel like you haven't had your head buried in the sand, I still would recommend doing the brainstorm activity to make sure that you're on track with your goals. And if you have any questions at all or you want to chat with me, please reach out. You can find me on Instagram at Verity Daily, and you can find me um, on my website, VerityAdvising.com, or you can shoot me an email at Caroline at VerityAdvising.com. Have a lovely rest of your day.